0: I have a problem, guys. Every morning, the first thing I think about doing is going to my phone and cleaning out my inbox. Because yes, being organized gives me a sense of peace, a sense of calm, really, but it's also a huge waste of time. Honestly, I'm tuckered out, see what I did there, from trying to get to the inbox zero status. Thankfully, there is a sane solution to this. SaneBox is the easiest way to automatically organize your inbox and keep it that way forever. SaneBox sorts your emails for you, keeping unimportant emails out of your inbox. You know, with subject lines like youareawinner.com so you can focus on what really matters. With just a few clicks, SaneBox Automatically gets your email under control and makes keeping it that way forever super easy. It also has some sweet features like one-click unsubscribe, which sends annoying emails into the aptly named black hole, and automatic tracking of messages that haven't received replies so you can see what needs following up. See how SaneBox can help you reclaim your time and attention with a free two-week trial. Visit sanebox.com slash tuckered out today to start your free trial and get a $35 credit that's s-a-n-e-b-o-x dot com slash tuckered out hello Hello, welcome to Tuckered Out with me, Ami Tucker. So, I may have mentioned this a couple times during this podcast, but there are definitely a few hundred ish topics that South Asians tend not to discuss, divorce being one of them. So, when I read Shabani Joshi's L article called The Other Side of Divorce, I knew I had to have her on the pod. Shabani Joshi is an experienced journalist who has covered business technology, and general news for global media outlets, including ABC News, Fox News Channel, Yahoo Finance, and HuffPost. She's a writer, a speaker, a lecturer, and she has her own site, shabanijoshi.com which you guys should definitely check out. We, of course, talk about the article, but get into so much more. And I think most of you ladies out there will really resonate with this one. Please enjoy my interview with Shibani Joshi. like talking, you know, you, you've been in journalism in the media for a long time. I, I'm going to focus on a few things. I would love to talk about Boldly Forward. Okay. I know it's important for you to uh, narrate kind of rewriting the rules for women. Yeah. And so I know that's a, a passionate topic of yours, which I think a lot of us are probably going through in different ways.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And then we can We'll touch on the L article a little bit, yeah, absolutely. and then I, I do want to hear a little bit about your growing up South Asian, like the rest of us, and yeah. uh, all, all the fun <laughs> things we had to kind of all, all the fun things our parents have in common that kind of were g- given to us, you know, and um, yeah. and how you see it now as an adult and as a parent. Because yeah. I feel like not just with me, but with a lot of South Asian women, like in our forties, um, you're just realizing things that you didn't before. Yeah. And then we'll talk about current projects. And of course, it's a conversation. So we don't get to something, whatever. It's fine. There's no rules on this. So Boldly Forward, you know, it's a collection of essays, experiences and ideas about shifting, right? So Mm -hmm. from a living a life of doing like you write to one of being. You know, which I of course I totally agree with. It's fantastic. I, I went to the site. I looked at your blog post, and just to start off, like of course I agree with that notion. I love the mission of it. But you know, out of everything you've been through, we've all been through. Now that again, we're in our forties, and we've kind of lived—I don't want to say half our lives—that's scary—but a lot of our lives. My my first thought was the the idea of living a life of doing. Don't, don't you think that's essential to go through that before you can understand a life of being? Like, Don't you think that we have to go through these notions of just doing, doing, doing as we get older? Maybe it's because of childhood. Maybe, maybe it's because children have to do that. Maybe it's because of our parents. But I don't know, is there a way to live a life of being per se, unless you are older and have gone through stuff?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. And um, thank you for reading through Boldly Forward. It's boldly forward.com. Um, and I think that's a great question because it's something that I really struggle with um, I, to, to this day. And, and part of what I struggle with, and a lot of the mainstream messages that I hear, and, and for lack of a better word, the self-help space, right? Um, a lot of the anecdotes, anecdotes that I hear, and even The way that I was raised within my Hindu religion um, is that you know just be let go of everything, don't be attached. Um, You know the ultimate is to do sannyasi in the in the Himalayas, and you know and 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 be a monk, and that's not a possibility for me. And then on the other side of the spectrum is a lot of the self help. Talks that I hear, podcasts, and you know the, the thought leaders out there. You know they talk about relinquishing and and just go and sell green juice uh, at the beach and all of these things. And I think, well, that's not for me either because I I don't know how to be that way. Uh, I have something to contribute. I have a purpose. I have intellectual abilities. And I think the difference that you're getting at, um, I mean, is that I was living to do, right? And I was doing to live. And I felt who I was, was what I did, whether it was what I was studying, where I was studying, how, what grades I got, how I was looking, how how I show up as a mother, um, what television network I'm on, all of these externalities to me, we're a measure of who I am. And right. that is the distinction in the shift that I'm I'm trying to make in my own life. And I don't think that it's easy. And we have to go to work. I have to go to work. I have to pay my bills. I have to save for college. I have to do all of these things that are very not fun. They're very practical. Doing They're, they're very the doing. doing, right? I have to right. do the doing. And I don't think the, for me, m- my philosophy is I don't stop doing my doing, but my doing is not does not make me who I am, and if I stop doing then who I am who am I when I stop doing and that was the crisis that I really had a crash collision with when I left my job at Fox and all I had this plan and this trajectory and I'm going to go to school and have this career and get married and have kids and then I kind of got to the end of the line and I was at a point where I was able to and wanted to take sort of a shift and, and, and focus on my kids and and work part time. And that was a huge crisis for me. Who am I without my labels, my doing my career, my attachments, all of those things. And, And that is really what sparked for me, my writing, but right you know, this ongoing sense of like, I I feel like I should be doing, I feel like I, you know, uh, my parents said, I need to do this. I want it. Society tells you to do this, but I feel this other way. And this stuff actually doesn't make me happy because I change jobs. I move cities. I do these things to find sort of the next holy grail and it never shows up. So it's sort of this culmination of this lifelong quest, but not knowing where to look and not realizing that um, my methodology was skewed. And so when I scrapped my methodology of achieving all the time and trying to be perfect for lack of a better word, I felt like I was really trying to be the perfect wife and the mother and perfect boss and employee and all these things. And then a lot of it I stepped away from, I, I had to really confront what being was without the doing yeah everything you just said, not just
0: South Asian women, women, especially mothers, I feel like can all kind of say the same thing in different ways yeah and the the other aspect of that and and again, it may not just be South Asian parents, but because we are both South Asian, we're both Hindu, my parents very much taught me about Hinduism, and, and that was a big part of my life as well. My mom will ask me, and maybe your mom has asked you this, you know, my mom constantly asked me. Why am I always so stressed? Like, why is it, why does life, like, she's always saying, I mean, but like, it's not that bad. Like, like, every time I see you, you're stressed, this and that. It's like, she's constantly asking. And when I, my response back to her is out of frustration, obviously. I'm like, you just don't get it. Like, it's a different time. Mm. There's different pressures. And I feel like with our parents' generation, and, and I'm sure our parents are very similar. They both immigrated here in the 60s. I feel like our mothers didn't feel like they had the pressure to get that perfect job, to look a certain way. Everything was just a little bit more, they didn't feel like they had to fill these certain roles. They had these roles, they accepted it and it was enough. Yeah. And I feel like with us, at least, you know, what my mom says to me, and I don't, I want to, I want to ask you what your parents say to you. My mom was, my mom was always like, nothing is ever enough. You're always looking and searching and 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 not fulfilled. Do you think that's true?
1: So a lot of that, I resonate with a lot of that. And I think that you're right that I don't think it's a South Asian thing. I think it's a woman thing. And it's something that I reflect a lot on. And um, I have a few things to say about that, a couple of things. So um, what I do know about our generation, whether you're in your 30s or 40s, we are the first generation where we more than likely had... an. So my my grandmother was not educated behind neither of them. Well, one of them really fought and struggled to um, and and pushed to get into college. The other one did not have higher than a um, high school education. And then both of them were married when they were in their late teens, uh, arranged marriage. Um, My parents, my mother, the same thing, arranged marriage. She did get educated. And then after that, she actually worked out of the house because she was living in America. And that was certainly the norm, but she was also the homemaker. And um, she never had the, the maybe the upbringing, the aspirations, or the platform to have a career like my father. And our generation now are being raised. We're we're raised to perform like a man, be educated like a man. We have the full push to get the same education, the same degrees. Fantastic, same level career you know, in theory, the same earning capacity, but probably not, not in reality, right? We're not paid the same. 70, 70 cents a <laughs> dollar. It's fine. Yeah. And then, <laughs> and then the expectations of being the homemaker still being upon us. So what I... And, and by the way, also weighing
0: 120, under 120 or, you know, whatever. Right. And to then there's all right the now. society
1: yeah. stuff, right? So, uh, and depending upon who who you marry... Those duties can be spread differently, uh, reallocated, shared, discussed, but you know, everything that we've learned and all the data shows even in the pandemic, despite your ethnic background, whatever it is, women take on the brunt of the work at home. So that I think is why I'm stressed. I think that's probably explains why you're stressed. And that doesn't even take into account the pressure of looking a certain way having the perfect you know I think about again I come back to this word perfect because I think that women have this very subtle and yet overt because if you look at makeup ads you know it's it's not subtle it is it is out there in the open this this push to be perfect and the terms are out there perfect home perfect wife perfect you know children whatever it is you know perfect body perfect hair. You know, we don't talk about men that way. We talk about women in that way. It's
0: all, it's all on us. It seems like. Yeah.
1: And so, you know, those are the things that you are, and we're all facing. And I was actually just Instagram chatting with a a good college girlfriend of mine and she's a a Texan and uh, she's a a mom of three and she has uh, older, older daughters and I said to her, you know, I think I had posted something on Instagram, and and she said, gosh, you know, why why is it that we put all this pressure on ourselves? And, you know, I and I was happy to hear that it's not just a, a West Coast thing or an East Coast thing or a South Asian thing. Here is, you know, um, a woman in Texas who who is educated and faces the same things, and she just said, you know, she brought out, she said, well, social media puts a lot of pressure, increases. Amps up the pressure for us as women because we see, and I just did a report this week about how it negatively impacts teens. Instagram does, but we all notice that, we all feel that we have this comparison. We compare, um, and so that adds to our stress. And then the other makes me very nervous
0: for my kids. By the way, this whole social media thing. Yeah, absolutely. I don't know how you are dealing with it, but I am just, I am like, oh my god, I can't even. They're seven and four right now, but it's gonna happen.
1: It. It. I mean, it's inevitable, right? So now we have right. to sort of treat it. Um, we have to treat it like it's here to, to stay, th- but coach them, you know. Right. Coach them. Right. And right. then the other thing, my my friend said. Her name's Victoria. Um, she. She said to me, and we used to also live a lot more communally. So I don't think that life was easier for our parents. Like I tell my mom all the time, I'm like, you had to write aerograms to your mom to get the recipes. And like, you had to figure out life in a whole new country. I grew up in Oklahoma. There's very few Indian people, no Indian grocery store, no manual on, or a community of women to support you. So my mom did everything on her own. I don't think that's easier. Right. But they formed communities, right? So I grew up right. in a cluster with tons of other Indian families, and we made our family and we shared information and we shared holidays and i i don't I don't have that now, you know, I have that in fits and spurts um with right. different groups, but I don't have that same sense of community, and I also think that that adds to. Our disconnection, our stress levels, um, loneliness. And, and loneliness and and the feeling of of really carrying a huge burden, a huge load, right. I would say. Not a burden, right. but a load, right?
0: Yeah. No, I definitely see my parents, as I'm sure with yours, they still have that community now.
1: You yeah, know, same. like obviously yeah.
0: both me and my brother are out of the house for a long time now, but they are they have their family that You know we've been friends with for years, right? And so that to them now at the ages of 70, 80 is what happiness is. And I'm a little nervous about all of us getting to that point. uh, Because like you said, I don't really have, I have that in little bits and pieces. I think a lot of us do, you know? And so it is, that is a beautiful thing that our parents were able to build. And so we're talking about perfection and and all this stuff. So I know uh, on Boldly Dash Forward, you had written that you felt like a show pony? Is that what you're referring to? Just all the perfection that you felt like you had to show the perfect school, the Harvards, the the finance jobs, the beauty pageants and all that stuff?
1: Yeah. I mean, it um, is something that um, I've always felt a lot of pressure about is to look a certain way and perform at a certain level, but then be of substance, right? And not get too carried away into those things. And, you know, my job is to look a certain way, um, even though I'm a journalist. And 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 I, I would argue that a lot of women feel like they have a job um, of looking a certain way. You can work in business, you can work in medicine, whatever it is. Um, you can't show up to work uh, with your eyebrows, fuzzy and maybe your hair not done a certain way or whatever it is and depending upon your profession it just amps up and amps up and amps up and right i have always felt that pressure just as a female and then my work amplifies that again and you know that's something that i'm very much examining you know how much yeah. pressure i want to put on myself to you know i look at i look at my my um, bathroom like countertop thing and I had this epiphany not that long ago where you know you probably do the same thing with your children which is like love yourself love your whole self like you're perfect the way you are I have an 11 year old daughter I just am like you don't need to do anything yourself you're you're just beautiful and and then she comes into my bathroom and I have wrinkle cream and tightening cream and smoothing cream and under eye cream and all of these things. And it just hit me. I just was like, I say one thing and I'm doing another. I'm preaching something, but am I living by it? And that's right. what really, um, you know, really just, it, it struck me and it made me realize like, am I being consistent and congruent with what I believe are my values and what I, I believe of other people, but for some reason, I don't apply that to myself. And right. that's part of the, um, I think the homework for so many of us women is to embrace, particularly in our thirties and our forties our, and especially after you've had kids, like, changing this notion and this standard of beauty for yourself and your body and, you know, and living it, living what you tell your own children. Um, right. Living it's it hard. More. It's hard. It is. It's so hard. It's, it's probably the hardest thing to do. Right. Right. Um, right. Because we all no, have I, things that we, for our entire lives are like, I don't like this part of my body. I don't like this. But again, I think about the other thing I think about is like, I'm doing a lot of thinking, <laughs> which I'm gonna, we will talk about. It. I'm going to put all this stuff into a book. So it's not just, uh, it is amazing note taking, but, you know, I think about the real estate that all of this um, pressure has in my own life. And I know from every woman that I talk to the real estate in terms of mental capacity, in terms of actual time. And I know this, Professionally, too, because when I do on air work, I have to show up an hour early before women have to show up an hour early to get our hair and our makeup, and before then I'm getting my nails done and I'm you know making sure my highlights are updated. I'm thinking about my clothes, my weight, all of that stuff, right? and I ask men about that stuff, and I don't hear them thinking too hard about that. And worrying too much about that. And so I, you know, I'm showing up an hour early, you know, I'm having wardrobe fittings, I've got to fit in a certain outfit, which means I'm going to the gym or, you know, eating a certain way or whatever it is. And then I get to do my job, you know, and that's a lot of pressure and that's That's a lot lot. of time and that's a lot lot of of real estate.
0: Like you said, it's it's just, it's so much space in your head. I always, I mean, it's, you're saying it so well, like there are days this past year I'm just like, I'm so tired of thinking about what I'm eating all the time. I'm tired about how many times a week have I gone to the gym If I haven't gone four times, that means I haven't had a productive week. I mean, it's just so much real estate where where I'm like, I could be
1: like, like, where did you get, where do we get this? This I don't know. I don't know. These are the rules that I, I just, I run up against. And I'm like, I have the same thing. I need to work out four or five times a week. Why? Like I, to do that, raise three children, have a career, you know, be, be out in the world, like, yeah, I know exercise is good for me and I do it because I want to, but these rules, these rules of like four to five times a week, what am I going to eat? How many calories? You know, all of this stuff, that's the stuff that, For me, I'm thinking about, I don't know, I don't think there's a a, like a flat out solution to where you just say, hey, I'll never worry about these things again. I don't think that's how the human condition and the human mind is. But that's part of what I've been experiencing and questioning and that I'm really excited to have these conversations with you and other people that, you know, are having these same dilemmas inside their head. And sometimes all you need is somebody to bring it up. And it and it creates an epiphany or this sense right. of like, oh, I'm not alone. Yeah, yeah, me too. You know, where did I get this from? Why are we doing these things? And I'm not I going crazy when, in my own head. And yeah, I'm not like, and I'm it's not, not just alone. me. right, right. Because right. I think so much of our experience as humans, I think men are very alone. I think women feel alone. But I think so much of the self talk makes us feel alone. And I think that our self talk comes from society and is shared in a, in a lot of ways, not in, in all ways, but, and we think that we're alone in that self-talk. Um, right. But from my conversations with people and my dialogues with people, I just realized we're all, we're all suffering. We're all lonely. We're all wanting more. And sometimes you just need permission to admit it.
0: Right right talk it out this is i mean while well, i'm doing a podcast this is like my therapy yeah. my podcast has become my therapy I session bet. i know i know you <laughs> uh, i believe in therapy and and meditation um and all that so you know for women listening to this um i know you have uh, written out a lot of kind of ways to cope with the you know during the pandemic like staying healthy stuff like that do you i, I know my answer would you recommend therapy for people that can't afford it, and and is that a, is that just maybe the way to go nowadays? If you can,
1: I have been doing therapy because I lived in New York City, and everybody does therapy. And like people are like, "Do you have a therapist?" It's like you know, it's like Normal. so common. Yep. Who's your dry cleaner? Like, do you go to a therapist? Like, it was very much normalized in maybe not my childhood, but um, in my adulthood, and I've always worked with a therapist. I think that. The therapist I had when I was in my 20s is very different than the therapist I have now because the therapist I have now has much more of a spiritual bend. And right. in when I was in my 20s, I was just trying to process um, and like then learn, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, and right. so you start where you start. I, you know, the one thing I would say is, yes, I, I do believe therapy is great. I think you have to find the right therapist. And I... And I right. and, I think there's also not enough knowledge or education shared around vetting a good therapist just like vetting a doctor we just think oh I'll go to this doctor but like you got to vibe with this doctor you've got to feel like this person understands you you've got to feel heard you've got to have that click that's how right. I choose my my healthcare providers now and that's how I choose my therapist, you know? Do you do I vibe with you? Do I feel understood? Do you have the same, do you have even some sense of where I'm coming from? And, and culturally, right. I think that's really important too, because the immigrant experience carries with it some very different dilemmas, right? right. And um, experiences that if somebody is not well-versed in, they're not going to understand, like, you don't get it. My parents will not, I can't, I can't do this to my parents or like, you know, I like our relationship with our family, you know, is like, someone has to understand that instead of like questioning it against a different, more westernized model. So right, you know, I, right. I I said, yeah, you know, I do I do think that therapy is a wonderful vehicle if you can afford it, but it also has to be with the right person. person. And there's Wait, only well, one way. You just gotta, you gotta, you gotta just, you got. It's like dating. You know, you just try them out and figure it out. Like, does this clip? Fun this times. Vibe. And then you keep yeah. going, you know?
0: I, I think it's important that you say that, you know, as a, as a South Asian, and obviously a lot of my listeners are South Asian, and a lot of my listeners are, listeners are actually in India as well, because therapy is not talked about, right? in our culture. um, And it's, I know more and more of us are going in our generation, but generally speaking, therapy, mental health, wellness, all that is still becoming, is still a new concept I feel like in our, in our society, in our communities. And so like divorce, like miscarriages, like all these other topics, people don't tend to talk about it. And I think I'm in the New York area and over here, it's just, it's just common. It's, it's like a normal yeah. thing to talk about but in other parts of the country it's just not you know I grew up in Texas and things are just different there and so yeah. I think it's really important for people to understand that it's I think everyone can use it I don't care what kind of life you're living I think it's just a super healthy if you can if you can make it happen
1: yeah
0: I really quickly wanted to go over a few of your I, I loved your blogs and that you that you've posted We'll obviously go uh, into the l story a little bit I, I know you wrote about the story behind that. I love that you're reading Olga Joshi. I interviewed her. Uh, oh, you a couple did. Months ago. Oh, great. Yes, She's yes, she was yeah. f- fantastic. We were laughing the whole time. Um, and then just your article on fries, on eating fries, and the idea yeah. that we have to earn it, kind of like the whole working out four times a week kind of thing. Like, yeah. if I do that, then I'm allowed to eat fries. So this whole pressure that like, everything, all these articles you wrote, I'm like, yes, totally. That's oh, what, when I eat fries. I'm like, am I allowed to eat this right now? Do I deserve this? Yeah. They're fries. It's a plate of fries, and I'm sitting there debating putting real estate in my head when I should be enjoying. And I'm we I, never I, 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 question why if
1: anyone around us orders fries. Do we question their deservedness? No, if they've earned it. No, never. Yeah. In fact, I, I have this so weird jealousy. <laughs> yeah, it's so messed
0: up. I'm like, what is Freedom wrong fries. with me? I go. Don't, I don't like, want to be
1: free. I want eat- to. Eat fries and feel free. And I don't have that experience right now. I want to, Me neither. I want to have that experience. Unless yeah. I'm
0: unless I'm drunk, that's yeah. the only time I'm like, oh totally. and yeah, then the next totally. the next day I'm like running a marathon because I'm like, oh yeah, I need to like run 18 miles now for no yeah. reason. I mean, it's just ridiculous. So like, yeah, I God, everything you said, I'm like, oh my God, I have these these issues and these struggles. Why? It's so tiring. L article. So first, you know, kudos to you for even talking about the your story, saying it out loud, making it public. You know, I had a miscarriage in between uh, both my kids, and I always thought about writing it. Actually, I actually, I never did not because out of fear, I just never got to it. We've moved around like eighteen times, and I just just lost. I kind of lost my my drive to do it. I can still do it obviously, but I remember when I, when I, you know, went through it, um, and, and the whole process was just horrendous. But, um, when I, I actually started talking about it out loud just to my girlfriends, uh, just to like, I just needed something. My husband could talk to me about it to an extent. right? Right. I probably talked to eight, nine girlfriends, three of them had miscarriages themselves. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, why aren't we talking about this shit? Like, why mm-hmm. is this so, why are, and of course I blame myself for it, thought about all, everything I did wrong. And my parents would be so upset. I don't know, just crazy stuff, Shabani, where I'm like, I look back at that. And that was just like five years ago. And I'm like, what am I thinking? It's just, it's crazy anyways. And, it, and I do question like, where does this come from? you know, yeah. which is why I need therapy. So first, really quick, I know um, that the article was based off of after you watched the Netflix reality dating series, Indian Matchmaking. So first, just out of curiosity, what were your thoughts on that show? Gosh, it's been a while
1: since I've I've seen it. Um, it makes me, like, sad, and it makes me angry um, at some of the antiquated notions Um that still exists. But I also know that I saw a different side of a lot of the Indian, you know, culture and, you know, the protagonists in there, Ankita, actually I've done an Instagram live with her and I just found her so bold and refreshing and independent. And, you know, I've I've done a podcast, you know, about this notion about, you know, our values, are from our parents, are from a time when they left India, which for me was just like they left in the 1970s. So my Indian values are 1970 Indians values. Um, And what I was happy to see on that show was that there's progress and um, there are options and the ability to say no and the ability to kind of craft your own life. And I think that that is what we all want at the end of the day. Right.
0: Well, you know, so obviously I read the article and there was a few points in there that I had never thought of that would just kind of was like, Oh wow, that's like a ching ching moment. Like you had mentioned while you are weighing your divorce uh, you were also the first to break your ancestors' perfect marital record, which is something we don't even think of, because obviously we know, like as Indians and our parents and our grandma, it's something that Indians are generally proud of, right the yeah. the low divorce rates and arranged marriages working. And the other part of that article I really that really hit me, um I resonated with was that you had your vows up, I think, framed, I believe, mm-hmm. somewhere in your house, yeah, and you would look at those and and I have a somewhat. Kind of same, but different uh, situation. So I had, when I got engaged, my and I married an Indian American guy. He actually went to HBS as well. So that's what I was reading about. I think that's funny. I believe you went to HBS 04, right? You graduated 04? Okay. Anyway, so we were, uh, when we got engaged, father had this like engagement paper, basically a contract, and it had to be signed by three men on each side. Of the eye, like on oh. um, three men on my side, three on. So basically, the the idea of giving me away. Yeah, I yeah oh, he, 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 he 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 had it framed. Yeah, and uh, as soon as I even realized that that paper was in existence, it's been in my garage ever since. Oh, I yeah. was really 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 angry with that. Angry. Um, I don't yeah. know that, that that story, the part that part in your article that you had, I just reminded me of that, and I was like, man, like that. I haven't thought about that in a couple of years. I'm just like, just some of these traditions that our parents, you know, put us through or make us kind of of push, kind of push on us. They they don't resonate with us anymore. You know, this is like, I'm like, do you see how wrong this is? Uh, Anyway. So that was another part of the story. I like, I wanted to know your family's reaction to it when you first published it
1: and how they feel about it now. So that's really shocking that that, tradition exists in your family and it's not the first time I've heard of things like that so um yeah it's just indicative of us being property and dowries and you know all that stuff and and just how steeped in um old notions even marriage is um With my parents uh, and even my ex-husband, I let them know I was writing an article and it took me a really long time to write it. Uh, And then when I was at my stopping point, I sent it to all three of them. And then I asked for feedback and i was terrified i sent actually sent it to my brother and my sister first because they know and can temperature check um the situation on how in particular my dad would read it versus my mom and so i sent it to them and they were just like it's okay like the no you didn't say anything bad about anybody like so they gave me the sort of the first um I passed through the first gate with them and then I talked to my parents right. and they you know I I think the hardest part for them was um they so they were so kind about it they were so mature about it they were like this is your life this is your story we can't we're not going to stop you but I think what they didn't say to me which was was why do you have to go and tell everybody about it <laughs> so I think the Yeah. I think the public nature, they probably were not super psyched about, but not to the point where they said, we wouldn't, you know, we don't want you to do it. And then the same thing with my ex, you know, he and I have a very good relationship. We, we, we are a family, um, and we're bonded as a family forever. And, you know, he just said to me, I trust you. And, that for me was everything because um, that's, that's, that's all I want. You know, that's, that's the ultimate measure of if you're doing right by people. And, um, and so nobody said anything. Um, And then I actually think that it was liberating for everybody because we, it was a lot easier. To do that, than to make phone calls and let people know, and to keep on the charade, which was what was happening. And so, I think it was a gift to everybody because we just got it out there. Everybody knew my parents' phone was like ringing off the hook. Oh gosh, I'm really sorry. You know all these things. And then the same like family and aunties and uncles and and family, they all reached out to me, and we just got the news out. Right. And then it was done. And that was right. actually a huge yeah. relief because it was done, you know, and I was Riff like, the I'm free, off. Yes. I'm free. Yes. you know? And so, wow. and, and I think that was, it was freeing and liberating amazing. for all of us in different ways, all four of us, you know, yeah. in different ways, uh, yeah. yet in the same way. It, it was just and, that. And- this is the truth Then we're moving forward. What were you,
0: how were you able to talk to your kids about it? Obviously they were younger then. Um, and
1: uh, how do you talk about it with your kids now for, for those women maybe going through this right now? So two things on that. So when we were deciding to get divorced, so again, going back to the therapy thing um, we did, and we continue to work with a family therapist who was helping us. Um, with parenting issues. So if somebody's not sleeping well, is not behaving in, in a way that we can manage, we rely on this woman, um, Jennifer Kaleri is her name. And um, she gives us great parenting advice <clears throat> and that's what family therapy is. And she would also talk to the kids. Awesome. Yeah, She would work with us as a couple as parents on, okay, here's a strategy you can use as, as parents, same strategy. And then when we were deciding how to tell our kids, we actually took counsel from her and we got advice on like, here's how you tell your kids your divorce, which was, you know, we planned it on a Friday night. We um, sat them in the living room. They're very young. We just said we're getting divorced, which means, you know, mommy and daddy won't be living together or like, you know, like married anymore, but we're still a family. And they were just like, whatever. And then after that, we turned on a movie, which was what we, so we had a script and then, and then uh, which we worked out. And then she said, and then do a family activity, which reinforces that you're a family. So it's Friday night, we always do movie night. So we did movie night as a family. And that's how we told our kids. And, you know, that's, I think, you know, looking back on, all the blessings of my situation and my whole life is, you know, I I am grateful for uh, my ex husband because we do have, because of his capacity and my capacity and our shared values and the work that we put in together, the ability to move forward and be a family and um, right. So that's the advice I you know we and 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 we continue to do that. So, you know, I'm sure there are books out there. You know, I I I think to the extent that not, and not every couple can do this. So, I acknowledge that also that I'm very fortunate and lucky that we were in an amicable place where we were working together while our marriage was falling apart. That there are things that you can do to have a script come together, be of your actions matching your words, and then live that out. And we continue to do that. We still do therapy as a family. We come together. Uh, now we have two households. And so we work together, we sync our calendars, we talk about shared, you know, right. strategies that we can use at his house at my house. And um, again, that that thread is, is still there. And there's lots of books that are out there. There's lots of and then with my article, Right. Um, I read it out loud to my kids. Um, I was a little nervous about that. And again, my like seven-year-old and nine-year-old, they were just like, and eh, they were kind of like bored with it. But my 11-year-old daughter, you know, she was just like, you know, I'm I'm sensitive that this is her life and this is a wound for her and uh, for all of them really. And, and for me, but I'm an adult. And so it's different. And so right. to handle things just right. more tenderly, and it's just something that I, along the way, you know, I don't fly my flag and say, you know, divorce is the best. I actually think it's, it's traumatic and it's what you do when you don't have any other choice because, you know, your children do hurt. Um, so and sure, I'm yeah. acutely aware of that. And I try to be sensitive about that whenever I talk about it because they love him and they love me. And they love our family. And so it doesn't... Yeah, of course. It doesn't pay. And that's the other thing, the other piece of advice. And I think this is good for even for marriage. You know, one of the pieces of advice that I got early on from someone that I really trust was don't go around telling your family problems, your marital problems um, in the school parking lot, because, you know, be really careful about who you're, you're talking about your marriage and your family situations too, because unknowingly they could show up on the playground with your kids. Think about you telling a close girlfriend, oh, you know, I had this fight with my husband, and blah, 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 blah. They're driving in the car, going to dinner with her husband. They're talking about it. Their kids are in the back seat. Your, your child's right. friends hear about it and then they go to play and then your marital problems or your family problems are in your kids' lives. And so that's also the piece of advice that I would give to anybody that's having just a really, you know, if you're going through hard things in your marriage, which we all are, that's the other thing, you know, you were talking about sharing stories of miscarriage and realizing how common it is as my marriage was falling apart and I reach out to people or I got divorced, people felt like more... Open to talk to me. And I was like, holy cow, everybody has problems. You know, everybody has problems in their marriage. I, you know, and if they they say they don't, they're lying. I feel like, like everyone part That's what we have to normalize also about marriage is like, marriage is like this, you know, and there's good days and bad days. And what you want is more good days and bad days. And you have to look at the collective, you know, pie there. But That was the other thing, you know, like to your point about talking about miscarriage, why aren't people talking about this? Why isn't this, you know, more out in the open? And that, that's our job to do. And that, and that's what I, that's what my writing, I feel like helps enable for me is just somebody doesn't want to feel so alone. Let me, let me share with you my life. So you don't feel so alone.
0: Well, it's very brave, and I think it's awesome. Um, and obviously, the response to it was amazing. And so, I mean, that's how I heard about you. And so... Oh,
1: good. <laughs> Thank you.
0: So so I, I really quickly wanted... We have touched on it a little bit, but I had a few questions about... Growing up, Shabani, it seems like you grew up in a typical Indian household. Um, mm-hmm. You went, you know, you went to University of Oklahoma, got your MBA from Harvard, double major in finance and accounting. So you did the good Indian girl thing, Wall Street investment banking. Um, so you eventually, obviously, uh, changed gears and transitioned more into media. So was mm-hmm. that some was it, being a journalist, media, the writing, um, all that stuff, something you've always wanted to do, but never. Kind of never really knew how to go in that direction growing up because that's that's what happened to me um, yeah. or is is this something that you felt passionate about later on in life?
1: Uh, I think it's a little bit of both. I think that I always had the the bug um you know growing up, okay. I always was somebody that would get on a stage and speak publicly and um, took opportunities to give speeches and run for stuff and like, whatever. I felt very comfortable in that, but I, I didn't feel because of maybe the way that I was raised or the messages I had gotten um, that it was a viable career path for me. Uh, So, and I had not seen it. Right. I also had not seen um, a lot of Indian women or Brown people. Right um, people of color doing stuff like that. It was very rare. So, you know, I took the path of more security. Um, and then from that place and base of more security, I then took a leap knowing that I had a cushion to fall back on. And that's just how I'm wired. Um, that was my path. That's not, that was my journey. Um, You know, I don't, I don't regret it. And I, and I see it, I see how it all comes together now because I talk about business, I talk about finance and, you know, I'm in the media. So, and I have real world experience from which to discuss, you know, add to the discussion. So, right. And that's, and that's, that was just my, that was just, you know, that was my comfort level.
0: Your path. Right. No, I mean, and the reason why I brought this up is because, again, I feel like we're cousins. Like, I resonate with you. I, I feel like I did the same thing went to undergrad at UT. I worked at Enron because I'm like, oh, I'm going to go to business school. And then Enron obviously didn't work out. And then I went to India and I was a backup. I was trying everything. And then, of course, my parents were like, so when are you going to grad school now? Like, what's happening? Yeah. I wasn't yeah. going to go to med school because I got a C in organic chem. So I'm like, that's not happening. Went to law school, did the law thing. But I think in the back of my mind, I've always wanted to do something within media. But, I mean, I didn't even know what that meant. I didn't understand it. I didn't know how you could make money off of it. Ne- Honestly, never, like, hit me in it until, like, I, I was 40. And I had two kids. And I was like, if I don't do something now, then, yeah, it's just time. It's time to do it. And yeah. so mm-hmm. – um, it, it's, uh, it was always something in the back of my mind, but I think I had to go, like you said, through this journey and path and feel secure, whatever that means, yeah. in order to like kind of take this step.
1: Yeah. Um, and and, so. and then I also think that you come from a, a a position of strength when you do that, right? Because then it's not your whole life and it has to hit and right. there's not this frenetic anxiety in the same way. It is, um, if it works, right. it works. If it doesn't, right. I, can, I have my day job. I think that's a place it? Doesn't to come from.
0: No, totally. No, it is. And I even like, I, I, the other thing I'm really, really happy about is that we didn't grow up on social media in the teen, in our teens and twenties. I felt like that would have been a whole other monster that I don't even know how I would handle that. And
1: Uh, by the way, not only that, I mean, you probably had similar (laughs) sort of, I mean, I would not have a job if there were like social media taking pictures of like (laughs) what we were all doing in college, (laughs) like, like my life would have been My dancing. (laughs) I was like, I don't,
0: yeah i don't know i was doing backup B- bollywood dancing for a pop star in bombay okay right oh my there god, life is over. amazing i don't even know what would happen to my, I, mean, yeah. I don't even know what i was wearing shabani i'm like if my girls wore that shit i would have been like nope get off the stage yes yep. thank god i got saved many many times i, I, I haven't no, been known to have many classy nights in my 20s in, in new york city
1: exactly yeah. so it's glad, a blessing glad i got
0: it all out of the system it's good it's a blessing, thank God. Yeah. Okay, I'm letting it go soon, I swear. I, and I have like 20 more questions. But I want to round out the interview with current projects. Anything that you're currently working on, speaking engagements, how can people like get – if they want to get hold of you – Can people write for your blog? I don't know. Anything you want to talk about for the audience?
1: Yeah. So, all of my information is on um, shibanijoshi.com. I have appearances and all the stuff that I do on um, my appearances section. And, you know, what my focus is uh, for the next little while is I'm going to start putting all the stuff that we were talking about today and the stuff that I've been thinking about um, for so many years and starting I'm starting to write my book proposal so that that is um, top top priority for me um, in the next six months and I'm very excited about it it takes a lot of discipline and just time and so I'm scaling back on some of my other project work to be able to carve out that space to because I, w- I want to write as much of it as I can. Okay. And, um, and so yeah, that's, you know, if I, I, you know, you, you can reach out to me on my website, I'm on Instagram. Um, and if any of this resonates with you, I just love to hear it. I mean, I mean, like, just hearing that, like it, it, it vibes with you is just so validating for me. So and, vibes. um, that's, yes. that's what I need to hear because then that just sort of validates. It gives me proof of concept with, with yeah. the stuff that I, I want right. to continue to write no. about. So I would love to hear from, you know, anyone that's listening and, and yeah, uh, I have a newsletter that I have also that you can sign up for on my website. Yes. So I just, I just I signed do up for it. A little it. bit of yes, a lot Definitely of sign up yeah, for good. it. I also resonate
0: with your writing quite a bit. And and then I mean there's so many parts to it. Jiovanni, we only have an hour, I know, but um also like the whole concept of like you know, when you marry someone, you're thinking your culture, your religion, your career, like kind of all that stuff align, so everything else should be fine. All that stuff yeah. is so like, what we all think, and you know, it's just not true. You know, anyways, I can go off, but I've had you for an hour. Really, really appreciate uh, you taking the time. Had a blast, um, and yeah, we'll we'll be following you. I'm I'm on your newsletter, and wish you the best of luck. And I can't wait for
1: your book to come out. Thank you. Thank you so much for this opportunity. I appreciate it. Nice meeting. Nice meeting you too.
0: Man, so much more to unpack there. What a great conversation with Shabani. You guys, please check out her website, shabanijoshi.com. And as always, you can follow me at Podcast on IG. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm be Tucker Ravel. I'm on Twitter now, even though I have like three people following me. So help me out with that. And you know what, guys? Continue rating and reviewing the podcast on Apple. It really, really helps. And I so appreciate it. Thank you guys for listening. I will see you next week. Peace. It's Tuckered out.